Section 27 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlöf. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. Thumbitot and the Bears The Ironworks, Thursday, April 28 When the wild geese and Thumbitot had helped Osa, the ghost girl, and little Mats across the ice, they flew into Westmanland, where they alighted in a grain field to feed and rest. A strong west wind blew almost the entire day on which the wild geese travelled over the mining districts, and as soon as they attempted to direct their course northward, they were buffeted toward the east. Now Akka thought that Smirre Fox was at large in the eastern part of the province, therefore she would not fly in that direction, but turned back time and again, struggling westward with great difficulty. At this rate the wild geese advanced very slowly, and late in the afternoon they were still in the Westmanland mining districts. Toward evening the wind abated suddenly, and the tired travellers hoped that they would have an interval of easy flight before sundown. Then along came a violent gust of wind, which tossed the geese before it like balls, and the boy who was sitting comfortably with no thought of peril was lifted from the goose's back and hurled into space. Little and light as he was, he could not fall straight to the ground in such a wind, so at first he was carried along with it, drifting down slowly and spasmodically as a leaf falls from a tree. Why, this isn't so bad, thought the boy as he fell. I'm tumbling as easily as if I were only a scrap of paper. Morton Goosegander will doubtless hurry along and pick me up. The first thing the boy did when he landed was to tear off his cap and wave it so that the big white gander should see where he was. Here am I, where are you, here am I, where are you, he called, and was rather surprised that Morton Goosegander was not already at his side. But the big white gander was not to be seen nor was the wild goose flock outlined against the sky. It had entirely disappeared. He thought this rather singular, but he was neither worried nor frightened. Not for a second did it occur to him that folk like Akka and Morten Goosegander would abandon him. The unexpected gust of wind had probably borne them along with it. As soon as they could manage to turn, they would surely come back and fetch him. But what was this? Where on earth was he anyway? He had been standing gazing toward the sky for some sign of the geese, but now he happened to glance about him. He had not come down on even ground, but had dropped into a deep, wide mountain cave, or whatever it might be. It was as large as a church, with almost perpendicular walls on all four sides, and with no roof at all. On the ground were some huge rocks, between which moss and lingon brush and dwarfed birches grew. Here and there in the wall were projections from which swung rickety ladders. 
At one side there was a dark passage, which apparently led far into the mountain. The boy had not been travelling over the mining district a whole day for nothing. He comprehended at once that the big cleft had been made by the men who had mined ore in this place. I must try and climb back to earth again, he thought, otherwise I fear that my companions won't find me. He was about to go over the wall when someone seized him from behind, and he heard a gruff voice growl in his ear, Who are you? The boy turned quickly, and in the confusion of the moment he thought he was facing a huge rock covered with brownish moss. Then he noticed that the rock had broad paws to walk with, a head, two eyes, and a growling mouth. He could not pull himself together to answer, nor did the big beast appear to expect it of him, for it knocked him down, rolled him back and forth with its paws, and nosed him. It seemed just about ready to swallow him when it changed his mind and called, Brummy and Mulle, come here, you cubs, and you shall have something good to eat. A pair of frowsy cubs, as uncertain on their feet and as woolly as puppies, came tumbling along. What have you got, Mama Bear? May we see? Oh, may we see? shrieked the cubs excitedly. Oh, ho, so I have fallen in with bears, thought the boy to himself. Now Smirre Fox won't have to trouble himself further to chase after me. The mother bear pushed the boy along to the cubs. One of them nabbed him quickly and ran off with him, but he did not bite hard. He was playful and wanted to amuse himself a while with Thumbitot before eating him. The other cub was after the first one to snatch the boy for himself, and as he lumbered along he managed to tumble straight down on the head of the one who carried the boy. So the two cubs rolled over each other, biting, clawing, and snarling. During the tussle the boy got loose, ran over to the wall, and started to scale it. Then both cubs scurried after him, and nimbly scaling the cliff they caught up with him, and tossed him down on the moss like a ball. Now I know how a poor little mouse fares when it falls into the cat's claws, thought the boy. He made several attempts to get away. He ran deep down into the old tunnel, and hid behind the rocks and climbed the birches, but the cubs hunted him out, go where he would. The instant they caught him, they let him go, so that he could run away again, and they should have the fun of recapturing him. At last the boy got so sick and tired of it all, that he threw himself down on the ground. "'Run away!' growled the cubs, "'or we'll eat you up!' "'You'll have to eat me, then,' said the boy, "'for I can't run any more.' Immediately both cubs rushed over to the mother bear and complained. Mama bear, oh, mamma bear, he won't play any more. Then you must divide him evenly between you, said mother bear. When the boy heard this, he was so scared that he jumped up instantly and began playing again. As it was bedtime, mother bear called to the cubs that they must come now and cuddle up to her and go to sleep. They had been having such a good time that they wished to continue their play next day, so they took the boy between them and laid their paws over him. They did not want him to move without waking them. They went to sleep immediately. 
The boy thought that after a while he would try to steal away. But never in all his life had he been so tumbled and tossed and hunted and rolled. And he was so tired out that he too fell asleep. By and by Father Bear came clambering down the mountain wall. The boy was wakened by his tearing away stone and gravel as he swung himself into the old mine. The boy was afraid to move much, but he managed to stretch himself and turn over so that he could see the big bear. He was a frightfully coarse, huge old beast, with great paws, large glistening tusks, and wicked little eyes. The boy could not help shuddering as he looked at this old monarch of the forest.